Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Kevin Durant, a f- officially a Phoenix son. He spoke in front of a pep rally sort of vibe out in the Valley today, speaking for the first time after he was traded from Brooklyn to Phoenix last week. We had Nick Friedle on the show here earlier this afternoon. Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Crown and Randy Scott sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. And our guy Nick Friedle, who covers Kevin Durant, like he is the Kevin Durant reporter of ESPN because he covered him out in the Bay, out to Brooklyn, and now out to Phoenix. He was there he gave us a rundown of what the scene was like and frankly it sounds like and what you saw on the tv as well randy like this is unprecedented to have a thousand plus fans the phoenix suns gorilla mascot throwing t-shirts into the crowd when kevin durant's being introduced like they really did roll out the orange carpet so to speak for kevin durant they did they did they had everybody they had the the gorilla mascot out there throwing t-shirts to everybody like it was it was a, a, a legit party, and trying to drum up enthusiasm and give Kevin Durant something that even in his you know storied and accomplished career he hadn't seen before, and you know it was it was interesting. It was noteworthy in a lot of respects. Some of his answers because he talked about his time in Brooklyn and he got emotional and talked about how they were you know his his family his um, his refuge coming off of the Achilles tear for four seasons. And he was, in a lot of ways, the lone consistent aspect of that franchise. I mean, we know Kyrie Irving was in and out of the lineup, only played you know 29 games last season, 27 the season before that. We know James Harden's issues. We know that big three never materialized, and it seemed like the big two with Kyrie and Kevin never got off the ground. So he was that consistent factor, and it meant something to him. That was, that was eye-opening to me. Uh, what was also eye-opening to me is he wants to hoop. He just wants to get out and play. And I think he he feels like he's found in this lineup, in this new basketball family, you know, brothers in arms, so to speak. Guys who love to ball. And that's Chris Paul. I mean, Chris Paul is at an advanced NBA age and he's out there, you know, he's changed his his diet, his workout routines because he just wants to prolong his ability to play. And Kevin Durant vibes with that. Kevin Durant feels that from from CP3. The scoring load is taken, you know, off of. Don't get me wrong. Kevin Durant's going to go for thirty a night, but he's got Devin Booker with him, who in a lot of ways is a more efficient scorer than Kyrie is. And he's got a big man in, in DeAndre Ayton. Like if mm-hmm. Kevin could have designed a lineup to join and a franchise to join and a work ethic to join, I feel like it's Phoenix. Championship aspirations for the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference. Their odds 
increased considerably when Durant was traded last week from Brooklyn to Phoenix. We have yet to see him play. He's still dealing with that MCL injury and the recovery. He sustained that against the Miami Heat while playing with Brooklyn in early January. Nick Friedle telling us that it should be shortly after the All-Star break that we see Kevin Durant suit up alongside Chris Paul and Devin Booker, but we remain playing the waiting game for that to happen. But there's still a lot to unpack here about his time with the Brooklyn Nets. It wasn't contained to just a few questions that he got emotional in talking about them helping him through the period after his Achilles injury and getting back on the floor. Of course, Kyrie Irving comes up. The trade request that came four days prior to Durant getting out of Brooklyn. Here's what Kevin Durant had to say during his introductory press conference with the Phoenix Suns on Kyrie Irving's trade request that sparked everything. I didn't know what was going on with Kyrie and his situation with the organization, so I didn't really focus on that. I only focused on what we were doing on the court, and uh, it was a blow to our team. It, it just took away our identity. He was a huge, huge part of what we do. Uh, his game, he's a Hall of Fame player, a great, great player that can do everything on the floor, and we relied on that. So without him, we didn't have a clear identity. So that was tough for me to stomach, and you know, I love playing with those guys throughout the year. I felt like we had dudes that were stepping up and doing stuff that they didn't do on their previous team. So I enjoyed everything about it. And it was tough to not finish the season. But, um, you know, I just tried to move forward as quickly as I can and try to figure something out for myself, but also still focus on trying to rehab and get back. So it all happened so fast, but I'm glad it worked out this way. It happened in warp speed because Kyrie Irving puts a trade request in the Sunday of the Pro Bowl. That's the only way I can tell time here in the month of January because of or February because of how quickly everything went. And then four days later, Kevin Durant finds his way out of Brooklyn. And this leads me to believe when he's talking about this team lacking an identity, once Kyrie said, hey, I want to get out of here, trade me. And then, you know, 48 hours after that request, he finds his way to Dallas, that that was the reason. Without Kevin Durant implicitly saying that was the reason, I think you can read between the lines here that without Irving, he didn't want to play there anymore because they didn't have an identity without the all-star point guard. That I, I think, I think it's also the fruition of a request a season ago. Like this is a long time coming even within their era together in, in, in Brooklyn, you know, Kyrie and his reluctance to get out there on the court last season through, I listen you know, I'm not going to relitigate a, a vaccine debate, but his reluctance to ball mm-hmm. didn't jive with what Kevin Durant wants to do first and foremost. Like if Kevin Durant, if the NBA, God forbid, you know, went on, on strike or there was another shutdown or whatever, we'd see video of Durant playing, you know, at, at Rucker again. Like we, we'd see video of Durant playing in, you know, courts, outdoor courts, indoor courts, you know, he'd get run in, in, in the DC area where he's, where he's from, or he'd get run out in LA where he has a home. Like he just, he loves playing basketball if he's healthy. So, you know, that there was a, there was a, a, a difference in opinion and, and Nick Friedel, who is <laughs> in attendance at the press conference and asked a couple of questions about, about the, uh, the end of the Brooklyn era, like Friedel talked about it with us last hour where he's talking about like, really like, Kyrie loves basketball for what it can do for him seemingly off the court. Kevin Durant just loves basketball, period. That's the end of that sentence. So when Kyrie made it clear he was waffling on staying, and I think that's putting it, it, it lightly, waffling on staying in Brooklyn, Katie was like, I don't want to be here without him. You know, I'm already here without without Harden. I don't want to be here without Kyrie. So 
if you're looking for one aspect of Durant's, I don't know, legacy, reputation, impact, whatever it is, that took a hit, it was the fact that he had he was fresh into this contract extension mm-hmm. and already asking for you know his release from it. But it's because he doesn't want to be the only guy. He wants to play with guys who he he feels like are pulling in his direction. He obviously wants to be, play for a contender, and he could see that this breakup was a long time coming. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. He said that he was upset they couldn't finish what they had started out to do. He pointed out that Harden himself, Kate and Kyrie, played 17 games, which our guy Nick Ferdell pointed out that it was 16 games for the big three (laughs) together. And, you know, I think the thing that really stood out to me about him carefully talking about this, but talking more at length than I expected Kevin Durant to about his time in Brooklyn. I figured he would have gone in there, and when he hears a question like that, because he knows it's coming, had some sort of calculated, scripted answer about wanting to move on and start a new chapter and not focus on the past, but he was very introspective about it in that the trade request was tough for him to stomach, and he felt like there were a lot of difficult moments in Brooklyn. To your point, Randy, there were mm-hmm. some good moments on what happened on the floor, but between all of that, there was the controversies off the floor, Kevin Durant's first trade request last summer, and that not coming to fruition, so he rescinds the request. They get started on something. They get derailed by it, by Kyrie Irving and some of the comments that he made that led to a suspension earlier this season, and now all these months later – I'm sure it probably feels like a blur to Kevin Durant, given everything he had gone through since last June, and now to know that he will be soon suiting up for a team in the Western Conference and a team that actually has a much better chance to contend for a title and get Kevin Durant back on the court in a being a big part of that. Kenny and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Breaking NFL news, the Panthers have hired former Colts coach Frank Reich as their new head coach. Frank Reich wasn't dealt a hand that was bad at the quarterback position. He was part of dealing the hand. He was part of the organization's decisions every time. And I think when they looked at it, they felt like he was dealt a little bit of a shorthand. He had five different week one starting quarterbacks in his five years in Indianapolis. The owner and the GM had to sign off on those things as well now. It wasn't wasn't just Frank Reich now. It's not like he has 100% power to say, hey, this is who we're going with. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott, sitting in for Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Take a listen to what the NFC South quarterbacks sound like for next year. This is all before free agency, all before the draft. In Tampa Bay, a team that is $55 million over the salary cap, Kyle Trask is the only quarterback currently under contract. For the Carolina Panthers, it's Matt Corral, who the Panthers drafted last year with a third-round pick, and Jacob Eason. Jameis Winston, the only quarterback under contract for the New Orleans Saints. He is headed into a contract year. And down in Atlanta, strange situation at the end of last season with Marcus Mariota leaving the 2022 campaign early to get surgery, and the team not necessarily seeing eye-to-eye with the veteran quarterback. He's a UFA after 2023. And they also have Desmond Ritter and Logan Woodside under contract. Not the sexiest division in terms of the quarterbacks that they currently have, but Randy, this feels like a prime spot 
a prime division that's going to undergo a lot of changes over the next couple months, considering what veteran quarterbacks are currently out there on the market and those that are available in the draft and where these teams, two of them in particular, drafting in the top 10 in in Atlanta and Carolina. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of those teams go quarterback in this class. I I think Will Levis is absolutely going to continue to rise up draft boards. I know we've seen uh, C.J. Stroud linked to Carolina. I don't know if he's going to even last to that pick there for a Panthers team that flirted with the postseason uh, this past season. So I I, I see uh, the potential of two teams drafting quarterback. I also see the Saints as a as a wonderful landing spot for Derek Carr. You know, if you if you're the Jets. And you want to go big game hunting and make the move to acquire Aaron Rodgers and sort of, you know, put yourself in the in the Denver Broncos discussion, uh, the Indianapolis Colts discussion at the quarterback position where you go for aging veterans and feel like you have a Super Bowl caliber roster or, you know, minus the quarterback. Fine. If you want to do that, if you're the Jets, fine. But that frees up Derek Carr to go to New Orleans, throw to Michael Thomas, you know, throw to... Um, Throw to Alvin Kamara, although man, is is he making making news today? Throw to Chris Olave. Uh, They have tight end options. I mean, get get reunited with Dennis Allen. Uh, Yeah, you you could potentially see one division have three new, four new starting quarterbacks turnover in one offseason. Because whether it's Kyle Trask or whether it's somebody else, that's it's not Tom Brady right down in Tampa. So you really could see have an entire division turnover at the quarterback spot. I can't remember the last time that's happened. No, I was trying to rack my brain on the amount of turnover that we saw this past offseason with some quarterbacks on the move and quarterbacks like Russell Wilson leaving Seattle. And that was, you know, a singular move that did affect an entire division, but not in the way that you would expect, considering he didn't really do much that would help the Denver Broncos get past fourth place in the AFC West. But With Derek Carr, his name has come up now for a couple of different reasons. This week, he was officially released by the Las Vegas Raiders because they didn't want to guarantee over $40 million on his contract, and we expected this to happen, but it came on the heels of a potential reunion with him and Dennis Allen. The Saints were a team that the Las Vegas Raiders had kind of put on the short list of, hey, we're willing to trade. We want to trade you. Like, go to a place that's going to give us some compensation back. So that never went through. Derek Carr said, I'm not waving my no trade clause. He had the leverage in that situation. But he could still very well end up with the New Orleans Saints, and this kind of being a giant middle finger to the organization that after nine seasons said, goodbye, we don't want you anymore. And to your point, those weapons that he would have, not only on the offensive side, but defensively as well. Imagine putting Derek Carr in a situation where he doesn't have to be playing catch-up in the fourth quarter. There's a reason that going into last season, he led the NFL in most most fourth-quarter comebacks, most game-winning drives over the course of his career. Because he was constantly playing with a defense that blew leads. What happens when you put him in a spot where the defense is actually competent? Yeah. And on a routine basis, he doesn't have to be going into overdrive to avoid going to overtime in these games. And the, in the New Orleans Saints, potentially his next team could very well be a part of that. But I think you bring Carolina into the mix here too, Randy, because not only would it make sense if like your division rivals getting in on one of these veteran quarterbacks, you might as well too, considering their options right now, on the roster currently, doesn't feel like Matt Corral as a third-round pick might be the answer. But if you can add a veteran quarterback 
in free agency in Derek Carr and give him all of the young pieces that they have to work with, whether it's DJ Moore at wide receiver, Iki Aquanu on the offensive line, and a really, really good core defensively of young players drafted within the last four years, I don't think you can pass up that opportunity to do so. No, I think I think the more we uh, sort of play quarterback musical chairs with Derek Carr specifically, the more it seems like he's going to end up in the NFC South. Um I feel like if there was a, you know, if you were a, <laughs> trying to place a bet on this, if it was NFC South or Jets, I feel like the money would be kind of even and I would still take the NFC South. Um, if you're Derek Carr, you know, you're not, I don't, I truly don't believe he's going to make $40 million a season. Um, but I think he is going to go somewhere where there are better. Let's see here. A better front office. Maybe not better even offensive weapons, but a better front office and a better commitment to him as the starter. And I think he can win. I think he's the difference between the Panthers missing the postseason uh, a year ago and, 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 and making it into the playoffs. I think he's the, the difference between um, between the Saints doing the same thing. I mean, the Saints were flirting with with the postseason as well with their rotation of Andy Dalton and Taysom <laughs> Hill and, you know, Jameis Winston, uh, you know, waiting in the wings and never getting playing time. Like, I, I could see Derek Carr... Being a difference maker, is this a tortured Raider fan talking? Of course. But it's also, if you get him 26 points, his win percentage is like 60%. I mean, there have been all these you know, breakdowns of his statistical performance, but also a lack of support from the Raiders. I mean, on, on, on Twitter, I mean, on social media, like his defensive rankings, he's never had a top 20 defense going back to 2014. And the one year he did, where it was, it was 20th in... 16 and 17. So that's just on the cusp of being a top 20 defense. He took him to the postseason. So you just, you, you have to surround him with a defense that is at least average. If it's middle of the road, he can take you to the postseason. Yeah, and he very well may do that for a team in the NFC South. The Saints make a whole ton of sense. The Panthers make sense. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should come into this conversation too because we know they're headed towards a rebuild. They're $55 million over the cap. There's not a whole ton in the short term they can do to build up this roster to win right now. But Derek Carr, he's he's, on the cusp of 32 years old, quarterback entering you know, the second phase of his career after playing nine seasons with the Las Vegas, the Oakland Raiders, and then the Las Vegas Raiders. I think he's in a really good situation to kind of call his own shots here in free agency and not have to wait to see where Aaron Rodgers lands first in order to find his next home for the 2023 season as free agency starts in Mm -hmm. March only a couple weeks away from seeing where Derek Carr goes because he's going to make money. He's going to get the guarantees that the Raiders did not give him and those guarantees, not just being financial, but also the long-term commitment beyond the 2023 season. Coming up next, we head out to Arizona where we have an update on the curious situation with the White Sox pitcher Mike Clevenger addressing, addressing domestic and child abuse claims, the latest from Arizona coming up next here on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, 
power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Welcome back to Canny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott with you on this Thursday afternoon, sitting in for the guys. Let's head out now to Arizona where pitchers and catchers have reported to Major League Baseball camps across the desert. We'll link up with Jesse Rogers, ESPN Major League Baseball insider for a pretty big story that's going on inside the Chicago White Sox organization right now. Right-handed pitcher Mike Clevenger, who signed a one-year deal with the Sox back in December, is currently under investigation by Major League Baseball given allegations of domestic violence and child abuse that have been levied against him by his partner, Olivia Feinstein, who claims to be the mother of his 10-month-old daughter. Now, a lot of this came to the light, Jesse, yesterday when Mike Clevenger spoke about the allegations that have been levied against him and the timeline here. They apparently opened up an investigation months ago. Let's get to the latest. Like, we were there for this press conference. What, what, what did Rick Hahn, the general manager, say? What did Mike Clevenger say about the allegations that have been levied against him? Well, let's start with Clevenger, and, and good to be with you guys. He professed his innocence. He thinks he'll be exonerated. He said it over and over again. I don't put my hand on women. I don't abuse my kids. I love my kids. He uh, was adamant about that. But we have to remember the threshold here isn't sort of a criminal threshold. He has not been charged with a crime. Major League Baseball, just like the NFL and the other sports leagues, have a different threshold in terms of potential punishment. But he still believes he'll be exonerated, and he asked people not to rush to judgment, wait till the facts come out. Now, on the White Sox side, they signed a player, Um, under investigation, though they did not know he was under investigation. That part of the deal is confidential. Obviously, the player, the agent, and I believe, and most people believe, his former team, the San Diego Padres, knew he was under investigation, but there is no obligation to disclose that, and that is part of the collective bargaining agreement about these rules. It's confidential. Only his partner made it public, and then obviously the investigation became public. But where the White Sox might be culpable is in their normal due diligence in in terms of the potential of signing a free agent. You need to dig a little bit, right, just like any sports team would do. And they may not have found out that he was under investigation because that is confidential, but they probably could have found out maybe the underlying incident that led to the investigation. So by definition, the White Sox probably didn't do enough due diligence since they didn't know anything about this. 
Um, if you dig deep enough, you probably could have. Uh, admittedly, both Clevenger and Rick Hahn say this is a guy that's been immature in the past. He's had some bad moments. He had some, you know, broke some rules with in, in COVID, and he admits he's been immature. Of course, this is a whole another layer. This is this is this is something much more serious than breaking COVID rules. And the the White Sox probably, you know, made a mistake in terms of their due diligence. And I think Rick Hahn sort of reluctantly said that and did say they're going to review their policies about looking into players. So he he's allowed to be with the team now. He's out there throwing, and he addressed the team from what we understand. Do you have any insight into either what was said or how it was received by his new White Sox teammates? It was received pretty well, and it was pretty simple. I'm sorry, guys, that this is a distraction, um, and that was about it. I, I didn't mean this for this to happen. I, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm sorry you have to answer some questions about it. It is day one of spring trading. I don't think this necessarily is going to be a daily distraction during spring training. Everybody starts working, doing their thing. When it gets to the regular season, that's a different story. Coming back to Chicago, um, ties to the fan base, you know, what's the status of this player? Things might change at that point. But that was basically it pretty quick, and, and players were appreciative because they are and were asked about it, and all they can do is sort of be in the middle and basically say no comment until the end of the investigation. We're talking with Jesse Rogers. He covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, joining Courtney Cronin and Randy Scott here on Canny and Carlin. So what we know is that the league's investigation into these claims regarding Mike Clevenger and domestic violence and child abuse date back to last summer when he was pitching for the San Diego Padres. There have been instances across Major League Baseball, whether it's Trevor Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna, Starlin Castro, allegations like this of domestic violence where Major League Baseball has placed players on administrative leave and then kind of held them away from participating in games while – the investigations are going on. How come in this situation, Mike Clevenger is allowed to be in spring training when there, when there is an active investigation going on? Yeah, that answer is a bit of a moving target, but it is somewhat clear in the wording of the policy. First of all, if he's charged with a crime, he's going to automatically put up, be put on administrative leave. The other part of that sentence is if the league can find corroborating evidence that warrants him to be put immediately on admin leave. So if you think about it, it is possible to look at this situation. The fact that they did not put him on admin leave is somewhat of a positive for Mike Clevenger. And the fact that this has been going on so long and they haven't concluded it or put him on admin leave kind of tells me that as well. There isn't necessarily corroborating evidence even if the investigation isn't over. There isn't corroborating evidence to immediately put him on admin leave. Now, when I say it's a moving target, I think it's possible once we, if this was, if we were approaching the regular season and he was going out to the mound at, at, in Chicago, there were 35,000 fans and they were booing him. And then his players, the, the, his teammates were being asked about him. And it was a daily distraction, which it may not be in spring training. I wonder if the league in that sense might act and, and, and put him on admin leave. Remember, you can be put on admin leave for seven days by the commissioner's office, paid leave, by the way, but only seven days. After that, you have to come to an agreement with the Players Association to, to continue to be put on admin leave, and that's what happened to Trevor Bauer. So, in general, there has to be corroborating evidence, but I'll just throw in my two cents. I feel like if it does somehow become 
the biggest distraction for the team where they can't perform or the player can't perform, then you sort of get them away from the team as well. But right now, he's he's free to play with them for this for the reasons I said: no crime, no ch- not charged with a crime, and no apparent corroborating evidence for the for the league to put him on ad and leave. Okay, so the investigation's ongoing. Any idea? who's spearheading, who's in charge of that investigation or Jesse, a, 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 a timeline. I mean, if you're, if, if you're the white Sox, regardless of your own seeming potential ineptitude to uh, do your due diligence, you don't want this distraction hanging over your team. So as you get into games here in a few weeks, as you get into potentially the regular season, any idea when this investigation could be concluded? No, I'd be lying if I said I, I knew exactly when, but I will say this, um, the accuser went on radio yesterday and said she is meeting with the league tomorrow for another meeting. She's met with them several times. So hmm. hopefully if, if she's meeting with them during spring training, you know, you could sort of maybe in your mind think of a, a spring training timeline, maybe by opening day. But I'd be guessing because these things take time. Evidence has to be you know, um, uh, uh, gathered. Witnesses have to be interviewed. Witnesses have to be willing to. Uh, so I, it's just really hard to determine. They never put timelines on these things. It's done when it's done. But the fact that she's beating with the league tomorrow, maybe that means something in terms of getting this done before the regular season because it has been sort of hanging over Clevenger and, uh, for a long time and now the White Sox as well. Jesse, before we get you out of here, I wanted to reference that interview that happened uh, in Chicago yesterday. Olivia Feinstead, who is Mike Clevenger's accuser, detailed allegations of the abuse, and she went one step further to say that he's apparently on drugs frequently. Those are her words that she used on 670, the score in Chicago. Does that change, or what, what layer does that add to a potential furthering of this investigation with Major League Baseball because the claims of child abuse and domestic violence are one thing, but the drug abuse um, allegations that are being levied out there, I assume obviously that falls under Major League Baseball's personal conduct policy, but how would that affect things here? Well, I'm guessing, knowing how leagues work, they prefer an accuser to talk to the league about it and not do a radio interview, right? So there's no doubt it kind of messes things up. It's another layer to this whole thing. Maybe it's something she's already told them. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing actually that it, it probably has, or maybe it is something new and it's something they'll discuss tomorrow when when they do meet. So I, I, I can't tell you, but it does it does muddy everything up and adds to it. Now there needs to be probably some corroborating evidence. That's how these things work. You can't just make an accusation, you know, put someone on admin leave and then suspend them. There has to be some corroborating evidence. So it does muddy thing up, uh, muddy everything up, Courtney, but. Um, they're going to have to, uh, you know, sort through it all, one accusation at a time, and come to a conclusion in, in whatever time manner they, they decide. But yeah, it's part of the equation for sure. A lot to sort through here regarding the White Sox situation with right-handed pitcher Mike Clevenger. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. No, this is uh, not the way that anybody wants to start spring training, a story of this magnitude and this size, but appreciate you helping us sort through some of the nuance here as we proceed with spring training. Sure thing. Take care. 
Mike Clevenger spoke yesterday, as Jesse said. He reiterated he wanted to ask everyone to wait before they rush to judgment. This investigation has been going on for seven months. We don't know what the White Sox knew beforehand, but from what Jesse was saying, it doesn't sound like they were clued in on the investigation when they signed Mike Clevenger to a one-year contract back in December. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, we round things out this afternoon with some of the stories we were not able to get to in 3 and Out. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. All right, so pitchers and catchers have reported across Major League Baseball. And down at Rangers camp, Jacob deGrom has been held out of the first spring training workout with left side tightness. His debut will be delayed with the Texas Rangers. Each of his past two seasons with the Mets were shortened substantially by injury. In 2021, elbow inflammation knocked him out the entire second half of the season. Last spring... DeGrom suffered a stress reaction in his right scapula, which sidelined him until early August. So this one doesn't seem as serious, at least on the surface, Randy Scott, as his previous injuries. But can the guy catch a break? Like, my goodness. It's like every time he winds up to get ready to pitch and the Rangers spent a pretty penny to bring him in, he's set back by something. I remember uh, when his velocity jumped from from mid nineties to up over you know a hundred miles an hour right on his fastball, and there was concern because of his frame. You know, it's kind of kind of a Roy Oswalt type size and in in, uh, in frame, maybe a little taller than Oswalt. But he was like, no, I I studied the mechanic, you know, the mechanics. I got my my spin rate up. Like I, I got this, I got this, and ever since. It's just been one thing. I, it's you know, honestly, it reminds me of Mark Pryor. Like it's like shades of like, no, nah, his mechanics are so good. He's never going to get hurt, and then all he does is get hurt. So five years, hundred eighty-five million dollars, and it's all guaranteed. And he's yet to pitch in a regular season inning. Like you're right, it's it. It does not sound like a structural arm issue, but injured's injured, you know. And getting behind schedule is behind schedule. No matter you know, even if he does say, hey, you know, I'm still I'm still on track, still on track. You you would rather this be in February, right? Second week of February, third week of February, as opposed to the middle of the season. But still, for a guy with this this track record, you can't help but brace yourself. 
Well, stick in Major League Baseball, some sad news coming out of St. Louis today. Cardinals Hall of Fame catcher and broadcaster Tim McCarver passed away at the age of 81, two-time World Series champion, TV broadcaster. We have his call right here of the 2001 World Series prior to Luis Gonzalez's walk-off. Let's take a listen. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers, and left-handers get a lot of broken bad hits in the shallow outfield, the shallow part of the outfield. Good stuff there from Tim McCarver, gone at 81 years old. I mean, I'm just thinking back to, like, all the broadcasts that, you know, I'd watch of him nationally. And, you know, those are my formative years watching baseball, Randy. Yeah, it, his voice is just I, – I associate it the same way. I mean, I was an M in Atlanta Braves fan. So for so many years on CBS uh, with Pat O'Brien and then on to Fox with, with Joe Buck, I mean, he was the voice of postseason baseball for me. He just yeah. was. And, you know, I was – because I was a Braves fan, I was Team Dion in that 1992 dust up where you know McCarver was talking to him about you know hey how can you be committed to to uh, the, the Braves postseason push here if you're moonlighting as an NFL player and I was like man that's Dion Sanders he can do whatever he wants so you know it wasn't the most mature way to handle it dumping you know uh, champagne water on him um, in the, in the clubhouse after the win but but I, I he is. He is synonymous in my brain with postseason baseball, and uh, it's it, it's a lot. I mean, it was. And he also had a, a heck of a playing career in his own right, so it's it's truly a loss for the game. He adequately predicted Luis Gonzalez's walk off hit in that 01 World Series. R.I.P. to the legend Tim McCarver, gone at 81 years old. This is Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Randy Scott with you on this Thursday afternoon. The 2023 Genesis Invitational is underway. This is Tiger Woods. First play in a non-major championship PGA Tour event since the end of the 2020 season. His odds at winning are slim, but when you take a look at the leaderboard and where he stands after day one, it's just good to see him back out there on the links, Randy, considering how many setbacks he's had over the last few years. We remember his incredible run first couple days of the Masters last year, only to slow down there at the end, coming off the, the severe injury from the car accident. I don't know what's going to happen with him following round one, but I'm just glad to see him back out there. Yeah, me too. You know, it's it, it, golf is more is more interesting. Golf is more compelling when he's out there. Uh, I think it coincides with the uh, with the show on uh, on on Netflix where they're trying to duplicate the same success that they had for for uh, Formula One racing. So uh, I just I like seeing him out there. It's it's not the swing. It's not the golf swing. It's not the golf shots. It's just the endurance. Can his legs hold up? That's what we're going to keep an eye on this week. Absolutely. All eyes on the Genesis Invitational. Tiger Woods' first return to a non-championship PGA Tour event since 2020. Randy and I got to get out of here. Joe and Amber are coming up next. You're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.